And we're going to study what will bring about that deeper dedication. I've entitled this New Year Plans. I don't know whether you've made any New Year plans or not. I know most people are turned off on resolutions. But, you know, if it's a human resolution, we might as well quit making them. But if it's something that God can do through us, we don't have to quit making them. Uh, and I believe that there is something special as we turn into a new year that causes us to think a little bit more. Do we want to live the next year the same as we've lived this year? Or do we want a better year? And so... Uh, we're going to look at some important counsel for 2018. Our first text is found in James 5, verses 16 through 18. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then it gives an example just so that we don't twist the verse or misunderstand it. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. In other words, when it says a righteous man, it doesn't mean a perfect man. And it quickly tells us that he was a, a regular man. He had the same passions as we. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Would you call that a powerful prayer? You know, as Elijah lived up there in the mountains and he watched what Israel was doing, how they were worshiping idols and expecting their blessings to come from the idols, he got very concerned. He said, Lord, you have to do something about it. They think the rain comes from Baal. So, Lord, stop the rain. And his prayer brought about the stopping of the rain for three and a half years. Have your prayers been like that this past year? If not... Don't you think it's time we started experiencing prayers like this? And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now, it doesn't tell us much about how long he prayed before the rain stopped, but it does tell us how long he prayed before the rain started. And uh, one very interesting fact about when God answered the prayer, he had to pray seven times, and what was taking place was every time he prayed, he got smaller in his own eyes, and God got bigger. And when he got to the place where he saw himself as nothing, and God is everything, 
the answer came. So there is a preparation for having answered prayers. And I assume there was some preparation before the rain stopped. But we can't expect immediately, but one thing we do know, that God answers prayer when people are ready for the answer to be given. And often it takes repeated prayer in order to get ready so that he can give the answer that is needed. In Matthew 26, verses 38 to 41, we have the experience just before uh, Jesus was crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I believe that we are getting very close to our Gethsemane. And Jesus made a very important uh, counsel for them. Then saith he unto them, Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? <coughs> watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Jesus tried his best to get them ready through prayer for what was ahead. But they didn't really get the point. Are we in the same danger? That there's danger ahead, there's trials ahead, and we're not prepared, and we've been falling asleep in 2017, and we haven't been praying as much as we should, and maybe about some of the things that we should be praying. If so, then it's time in 2018 for that to cease because it's later than it was this past year. And the danger is increased of falling asleep and failing to pray when we need to be praying. When we look at the whole story, which I didn't have room for it, but hopefully you've read it, if they had prayed in Gethsemane, they would not have made the mistakes that they made. So they lost a lot by failing to pray. <coughs> In Councils on Diets and Foods, page 188 and 9, it says, Now and onward, till the close of time, the now had to do with, no doubt, about 100 years ago. I didn't check out the date, but it would be somewhere around that. If it was time then for them to do this, what is it now? Now and onward, till the close of time, the people of God should be more earnest. Have you had too many now I lay me down to sleep prayers? It's time to be more earnest, more wide awake. 
not trusting in their own wisdom, but in the wisdom of their leader. Have you had a lot of things go wrong because you didn't pray about it? Things that had you prayed about it, either you wouldn't have gone in that direction or it wouldn't have turned out that way. Why does it happen? Because we don't pray when we need to pray. They should set aside days for fasting and prayer. Now that's getting serious. To connect fasting with praying. Entire abstinence from food may not be required, but they should eat sparingly of the most simple food. So as we notice what it says, now and onward, until Jesus comes, we should set aside. Now, I don't really uh, like the idea that often when a day of fasting is picked, it's Sabbath. I don't think that's the best day to fast and pray. But we need to, as it says here, think about uh, fasting and praying, not so much telling people they can't eat anything. If it's another day especially, uh, that's not uh, the easiest thing to do. Some people can do it with profit because they have plenty extra. But it's not the call for everybody. However, to have simpler food that day, less preparation of the food, less time involved, and we can have time for prayer that will help us not do what the disciples did after Gethsemane. Medical Ministry, page 283, says the true fasting which should be recommended to all is abstinence from every stimulating kind of food. Now, here's one that I believe there needs to be changes on the part of many people because they are used to stimulating food and they want to keep on using it. But that's one of the fasts that we are to enter into more and more, as the time approaches when we're going to have our Gethsemane experience. Now, I'm not going to list for you what all is in that category, because you can study and find out what it is, but there's a long list of things that are considered stimulating, and they do not have a beneficial effect upon our health. One of the serious problems today is that people are not trying to find out what they need to do. And if they hear from somebody what they're supposed to do, they have a tendency to say, well, I don't think they're right. They don't go and study to see, is that, is that right? What the person said? Should I really give that up? Should I make a change? They don't do that. So, it just keeps on going. And so you get to potluck, you get to fellowship dinner, and you find some of it there. 
And so God is calling us to really come to grips with this matter. It's too late to keep on partaking of that stimulating food that's going to hurt our chances of being what we need to be in the last days. Then it goes on. And the proper use of wholesome, simple food, which God has provided in abundance. God has certainly done his part to prepare the kind of food that will help us to be alert, to be a blessing to others. And it says men need to think less of what they shall eat and drink of temporal food, and much more in regard to the food from heaven that will give tone and vitality to the whole religious experience. God is saying, and he said it over a hundred years ago, he's saying the time has come <clears throat> for us to be more interested in the spiritual food that we're getting than we are in the physical food. Now, he's not calling us to go in the other ditch and, you know, uh, damage our health through poor nutrition and all of that. Some people end up going that direction. But he is calling upon us to put as a higher priority the spiritual food that we need to be ready for what's ahead. And that means we're going to have to devote some time to it and find a way to be able to have time to pray and time to feed that spiritual life. Fifth Testimonies 209 and 10. The leaven of godliness has not entirely lost its power. In other words, there are still godly people in the world today. There are still godly people in the Adventist church. So the quotation starts out on a very encouraging note. And it reminds us of Sodom. When there were less than 10 righteous people in Sodom, it was wiped out. And so that's the background to this kind of a statement. The leaven of godliness has not entirely lost its power. At the time when the danger and depression of the church are greatest, the little company who are standing in the light will be sighing and crying for the abominations that are done in the land. Now, there's several key points here. It continues talking about that uh, group that haven't lost godliness. However, notice it's only a little company. We cannot look at what the majority are doing. If we look at the majority, we will postpone our preparation too long. But God has a little company in the midst of the bigger company. A little company 
that are preparing correctly for the coming of Jesus. And then it says what they're doing. They're not criticizing and fault-finding and running down the people that are sinning, but they're pleading with God to do something to help these people. They're sighing and crying for the abominations that are done in the land. I don't know whether all of you were able to listen to Doug Batchelor's revival series called Foundations of Faith, but the Lord was certainly speaking through him, and especially the last one, to deal with some of the abominations that are taking place in the world today and in this country. But it doesn't stop there. It says, but more specially, will their prayers arise in behalf of the church because its members are doing after the manner of the world. There's a lot of criticizing and uh, people saying, take my name off the church books because the church is too uh, far gone, it's too uh, wicked, and so, you know, I'm out of here. That's not what it says we're supposed to be doing. God is calling upon us to stay in this church and plead for the members that we see going in the directions that they're going in. And this little company that's going to be interested in this, <clears throat> God is going to reward their prayers, and the numbers are going to increase. may not all come from those that are Seventh-day Adventists now, but if it doesn't come from them, it will come from other people joining this movement, in answer to the prayers. So how interested are we in the company expanding that God has, that are faithfully, you know, seeking him and trying to live as he calls upon them to live? So let's look at some of the plans for the new year that I would like to suggest to you tonight. Number one, to remember to pray before making decisions or facing situations. And it's not just, well, Lord, give me what I think I ought to have. That's, that's not really the best prayer. The best prayer is to say, Lord, I'm facing a decision that I have to make. I'm facing a situation but I want to do what you want me to do, so I'm asking you to make it plain. Should I go this way or this way, or should I do this or do that? You know, as I was getting ready and reflecting back, some of the worst things that have happened in my life are because I didn't pray before making the decision. And I find as I talk with other people that this is a fairly common mistake, and it, it happened in the Bible as well. You know, you remember Joshua? He had these people come. They said, we came from a far country, and look at this. Our bread is moldy. We've been coming for such a long time. Our bread is moldy, and our shoes are worn out. Joshua knew that they weren't supposed to make any agreement with people that lived in the land of Canaan, but he saw 
all these, uh, this evidence, and he said, well, I, it's okay to make an agreement with you. He never asked God. He should have told those Gibeonites, I can't give you an answer till I talk with my God. And he should have gone and prayed, and God would have said, no, don't make an agreement with them. They just live over the next hill. Why didn't Joshua pray? He made the same mistake that a lot of us make. But his time in 2018 for all of us to stop doing that. We can't afford to make these mistakes anymore. We're on the home stretch. Number two, for determination to follow the light that you have. I dare say that most people here tonight know more light than what you're following. And that's a dangerous thing to do. You know, if you don't follow the light you have, it becomes darkness down the road. And you lose it. You even lose the light that you have. So it's no longer safe as we go into 2018 not to follow the light. Now, if you're struggling to follow it and you're failing, God will bear with you as long as it takes for you to conquer that. But if you're just setting it aside and not trying to follow it, that's a dangerous thing in 2018. Number three, and I didn't put these in any specific order, just as they came to mind. We need to be praying for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. We have to receive the early rain, which is available right now in the fullest extent that he's ever given it. It's available right now. We don't have to wait for the future. Then we need to also be praying for the latter rain because there's a point at which he's going to, he's going to pour out the latter rain. And so if we're not praying for it, we won't get it. Just like the only people that knew Jesus had arrived were the people that were trying to find out. The rest of them, they heard it secondhand, and most of them wouldn't believe it because it came secondhand. So we don't want to make that mistake. We want to seek for the Holy Spirit. If you haven't been, it's time to change for 2018. And put that request at the top of your prayer list. Number four, to be more like Jesus. You know, a lot of times we know intellectually we need to be like Jesus, but the problem is it doesn't become a priority. So that if we fail, if we do something we know a Christian shouldn't do, we don't get in earnest with him to help us be more like him and to stop doing the things that we have done. It's time as we enter the new year to stop doing that and take every opportunity, whether it's success or failure, to prompt us to plead with God to make us more like Jesus. Number five. We need to pray that we will find a soul that we can work with. There's somebody somewhere that needs your ministry. 
And you may not find them if you don't pray that you will find them. At least that's what happened to me in the beginning. Now it seems like they come even without me asking. But in the beginning, I didn't find the first one until I started really praying to find the first one. And, uh, you know, we can't go home till everybody has an opportunity. And if we don't do it, he will finish it with the angels. He's going to get it done. But we will suffer the loss. So he's saying, as you enter 2018, don't be willing to go all year and not have somebody you can minister to, maybe giving Bible studies or just helping them to get to somebody that gives Bible studies, you know, but you have a part in it. That's the important thing to seek out about. And number six, we read it, but it needs emphasis. We need to pray for the church. Now, I know a lot more of what's going on in the church than what probably most of you know. And I don't think it's even best to tell you everything that I know that's going on in the church. And I'm not speaking of this church specifically, talking about the, the denomination. But this church is in serious trouble, and it needs our prayers. We are facing some things that could bring about uh, a situation that would discourage a lot of people. And so as we go in to the new year, we need to be praying for this church. Now there's another aspect I want to spend the rest of our time on. Our first text comes in Psalm 56, verse 4 through 11, but I've just selected certain things. David said, in God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. But obviously he's saying, I put my trust in the word of God. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. We're going to really need that in the future. could be even 2018. We'll need that. To have no fear what people can do to us. You know, that's one of our weaknesses. We have a tendency to be afraid of what people can do to us. And they can do some pretty bad things. But David said, I'm not afraid what human beings can do to me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Do you have so much confidence in God's word that you have no fear of what man can do? If you don't, then you need to become more acquainted with God's word. That's what brought about this experience in the life of David. So where it didn't matter what people would do to him, he knew that God's word was so powerful, he could remove whatever needed to be removed. He could give him strength to go through whatever he needed to go through. But God's word had great power. And then over in Psalm 119, in fact, this is one of the main themes 
of Psalm 119, David said, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. So he's got two parts there. He said, your word is so precious to me, I've hid it in my heart. But then he says, there's, there's no doubt more that I can learn, so please help me to learn all about your word. And uh, in verses 16 and 17, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Now, there's a very interesting picture that he gives here. I will delight myself in thy statutes. Is that your favorite time of the day? When you can get out God's word and you can read it and think about it? If not, God wants you to get that experience in 2018. Did you know that the school of the prophets wouldn't accept anybody that didn't like that? You had to have delight in the word of God or you couldn't get admitted to the school of the prophets. Now we say this is a school of the prophets. But it can't be a school of the prophets unless all the students are like that and all the workers as well. Because what good will it do if the students have it and the workers don't? So God is calling in 2018 for anyone that doesn't know what it means to delight in the word of God to be able to get that experience. And from verses 101 to 103, David said, I have refrained my feet from how many evil ways? Every. Can we say that? At least everything we know about? That we have refrained from every evil way? Why did he do it? That I might keep thy word. So he's saying, Lord, when I read it in your word, that's what I did. I followed it. You know, many years ago, the reason that we came to Wildwood is we saw a place where people did that. It was the first place on earth that I ever found that did that, to read what is said and do it. I have not departed from thy judgments. For thou hast taught me, how sweet are thy words unto my taste. There it is again. The sweetest things to read and think about is the Bible and the writings of Ellen White. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Is it that way with you? Has it been that way? If not... You know, are there other things that are sweeter? Other things that you like better? If so, you need a change. And God is able to do it. From our high calling, page 215, no renewed heart can be kept in a condition of sweetness 
without the daily application of the salt of the word. Have you disappointed yourself in becoming impatient, maybe even angry, or spoken unkindly, or any of those kind of things? If you have, what is missing? The daily application of the word of God. And of course, the renewed heart. You know, the unconverted person cannot control these things. It's just not possible. But I trust that everyone's converted. But in case there isn't, if there's someone that's not converted, that has to be the first thing. Because you can't hope to be the kind of person you would want to be without that. But once you're converted now, you have to have the daily application of the Word of God or you cannot resist all these things. Divine grace must be received daily or no man will stay converted. You know, we're like a tire that has a slow leak. And when you have a tire like that, you've got to blow it up frequently or it will get too low and it'll let you down. So, to keep that conversion, we have to be daily, have the application of the Word of God daily. Prophets and Kings 6.26, Christians should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. And this preparation they should make by, and what's the next word? Diligently studying the word of God and striving to conform their lives to its precepts. So most people are going to have an overwhelming surprise when it's too late to do anything about it, but God says the only way you can prepare so that doesn't happen to you is to not just study the Word of God, but diligently study the Word of God. And then when you see what it says, seeking Him to help you live by what it says. And in this way, when it comes, it won't be an overwhelming surprise to you. And you may help some other people that it's not an overwhelming surprise for them. Great Controversy 593 and 4. None but those who have fortified the mind with the truths of the Bible will stand through the last great conflict. How many will go through without standing? None. Zero. And now's our time. It's a lot easier to do it now than when you have to sneak having a Bible or you have to somehow try to find a way that you can do it. So not one person that hasn't fortified their mind by a daily study of the Word of God will be able to make it. And also on page 625, only those who have been diligent students of the Scriptures and who have received the love of the truth will be shielded from the powerful delusion that takes the world captive. 
There we see in 2018, if we're not already a diligent student of the scriptures, it's time for us to become one because we have to get to the point where we love the truth, where we're not saying, oh, I wish I hadn't read that. You know, now I've got to make another change in my life. Uh, we got to get past that to where we come to the place where we say, praise God, he's revealed another dimension of truth. And now I'm able to get closer to Jesus. I'm able to be more like him. And then, as these tremendous delusions, and by the way, some of them are already here, and people are falling for them. This is the reason the church is having such a struggle, because people are falling for these delusions. And it didn't need to happen if we had been diligent students of the Word of God. Fifth Testimonies 273, our people need to understand the oracles of God. They need to have a systematic knowledge of the principles of revealed truth. Now notice the word systematic. You know, it's not just, well, verse, I'll read here. Opening up your Bible and, you know, reading what you opened up to. We have to understand systematically they need to have a systematic knowledge of the principles of revealed truth, which will fit them for what is coming upon the earth and prevent them from being carried about by every wind of doctrine. So we're going to face every wind of doctrine, and it's already rolling. So the only way we can be prepared to not fall for these Deceptions is to have a systematic knowledge of the Word of God. Fourth Testimonies 4.59. Several times each day, precious golden moments should be consecrated to prayer and the study of the Scriptures. Is that what you've been doing? If not, that's a good practice for 2018. If it is only to commit a text to memory that spiritual life may exist in the soul. You don't have to stop uh, working in order to, to do that. But uh, God is calling upon us to spend some time memorizing the Word of God. Reviewing Herald of April 27, 1905. Keep a pocket Bible with you as you work. Well, the Lord has really helped us on that, right? Most people have a cell phone with a Bible on it. So you've got a pocket Bible. Uh, I do have a little pocket Bible that I often carry with me. And uh, it's, uh, it's a blessing too. I like reading actually the printed page, but the cell phone will work. You can, you can do it. Keep a pocket Bible with you as you work and improve every opportunity to commit to memory its precious promises. 
Why do we need to do that? Last day events, page 67. The time will come when many will be deprived of the written word. Now, I'm sure most of you know about the Waldenses and what happened to them, but Satan tries to get us to think it's a long way off. And we don't need to worry about that, but I don't think that's safe planning for 2018. We need to think it's near, and therefore we need to be uh, planning that someday we won't have the Bible and make use of it right now while we have it. But if this word is printed in the memory, no one can take it from us. Isn't that wonderful? They cannot take it away. So, I have some suggestions based on the counsel we read. For the new year, make time to study God's word. Why do I say make time? Because Satan has found a hundred ways to try to keep us so busy. And we think, well, I'll get to it. But we don't get to it. Because there's so much stuff on our list to get done. So we basically have to make time to do it. We have to say, this is what I'm going to do. And the rest has to wait. Number two, be earnest to find out what the Word says. Now, you might have to pray if you're not already in earnest. You might have to say, Lord, help me to realize where we're at and how earnest I need to be. And He'll help us. Whatever we don't have, He's willing to give. But we need to be earnest to find out what the Word says. And number three, we need to practice what God's Word tells us. Now, I do believe that sometimes when you come to Wildwood, you're exposed to a whole lot of changes all at one time. And I'm not suggesting that other than following the rules, you need to do that right away. But other than that, I think God wants you to study it out for yourself and practice it when you see for yourself that that is true. But not to just forget it and never study it out and never find out whether you're supposed to practice it or not. That's not the plan that God has in his word. <clears throat> and number four, to make a commitment to do some memorization of God's word. And at first it comes harder, but later it gets easier. And the younger you are, the easier it is for you to memorize. Number five, Find someone who will accept your teaching of God's Word. So when you learn something, find someone else that will listen to what you've learned. Whether they're in the church or out of the church, doesn't matter, but find somebody to tell it to. You will remember it better if you tell it to somebody else. I think that was the end. So, if some of those things have been impressed upon your mind, either this list or the previous list, 
have been impressed upon your mind by the Holy Spirit that you would like to see a change in your life for the new year. That you would like to follow one of those things or more. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and you're accepting that, I invite you to come forward and we're going to have a special prayer that you won't forget it and that you will follow through with that. We're not suggesting that we can keep our word at all, but if we ask God, he can help us keep our word and what we see that we need to do. So come on up. Come up as close to me as you can so we have plenty of room for anyone that is saying, Lord, in 2018, I want to make this change in my life. And I'm going to trust you to help me make that change in 2018. <clears throat> Just do what the Holy Spirit tells you. Don't don't do what others are doing, but what the Holy Spirit tells you, that's what you need to do. <clears throat> 